If you brought your Bibles this morning, you'd open them to Romans chapter 14. We've been in a teaching series, uh, uh, walking through Romans. Paul writes this letter to Christians in Rome. Uh, I know you can't imagine this, can't, can't fathom this, but, but there are different groups of Christians from different backgrounds and traditions, and guess what? I, I know you've never heard of this happening, but they're not getting along. I know that's never happened in a place like Nashville. But these Christians are, are having, they're struggling over what does it mean to be a Christian and what is the right way to be a follower of Christ and, and how do we do this and how do we pull this thing together. And by chapter 14 of Paul's letter, he's a preacher running out of, of time. He recognizes, hey, this sermon has gone way too long and I need to wrap it up. And in chapter 14 and beginning of chapter 15, he begins to, to quickly address some of the issues that they're arguing over. There are Jewish Christians that are holding on to different pieces of tradition of holy days and things to eat. And there are Gentile, tradition, Gentile Christians that have, have none of that tradition, that, that have none of that background. It is, uh, I know, uh, maybe, a, maybe a fair example is some of you who grew up in the church love to sing hymns, right? Like Philip has been singing some hymns because he loves you and cares about you. And we have other people in our church here today that have never heard a hymn before. I know that's hard for you to imagine, but this is the clash that's happening of, hey, this, this is what church is to me. This is what it means to be a Christian to me. And others say, no, this is what it means to be a Christian to me. And Paul is writing to both groups. And this is what he says, kind of, kind of in the middle of chapter 14. In verse 19, look what he says. He says, so then... Let us, what are those three words? Aim for harmony in the church. Let us try to build each other up. For Paul, harmony is the target. Remember at summer camp when you used to go and shoot the bow and arrows and you would shoot your bow and arrow and then there would be the big target with the multiple color circle rings all narrowing down to one. Paul says that target for the church is harmony. So how, uh, what is harmony and how do we achieve it? I love the story of the, of the old married couple Sitting together, the man says to his wife, man, you, you have been so amazing all of these years. Every time I get, I get mad or every time I get angry, you never seem to get upset. And the man's wife says, that's right. I just, whenever you get mad and angry, I just go clean the bathroom. And he says, you clean the bathroom? How does, how does that help? And she says, well, I use your toothbrush. Some of you, like, I just gave some of you an idea, didn't I? Like, uh, yeah. Let me ask you, how, how important is harmony? For some of you, maybe the, the definition of harmony is, is four-part harmony that, that comes when, when voices unite and, and kind of come together. And, and Paul uses that as a part of his definition of, of 
different voices coming together to, to bring something new. And, and what's great is you, without knowing anything about music, if uh, people sing together, you know whether or not they're in harmony or not, right? Like that's a kind of a great thing about harmony is, is that, that you can almost sense it. You can almost feel it when it's there. Uh, I'm a guy, so, so when I think about harmony, it's, it's more like an engine that's finely tuned, when all those pieces are working together, um, I own a Jeep, so I, I, my Jeep is never in harmony. <laughs> like, but when you begin your car, you start your car, you turn that key, and that engine fires up, you can hear it, right? You can feel it. And, and so there is this uh, definition of harmony that is a voices coming together or, or having the same mind. But it goes deeper than that. In verse 19, this word that the New Living Translation uh, translate harmony is really the word peace. Literally, it says, so then let us aim for peace in the church. And this word peace is, is a really specific kind of peace. It's the kind of peace that God has made with the world through the sacrifice of his son, Jesus Christ. And this word is, is not just, uh, 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 what he says, aim for harmony, aim for peace. What he's saying is earnestly, aggressively pursue harmony, pursue peace. It is almost the language of, of a hunter, the way a hunter would pursue his prey. We're Stalking it in the church. This is our highest idea. Is harmony. Is the peace that God made with the world. This is what we are bringing about. This is our ultimate goal. This is our target. The peace of God. And so Paul goes on and explains to early Christians in Rome and vicariously to us how to achieve harmony in the church. In uh, chapter 14, verse 1, this is what he says. He says, accept other believers who are weak in the faith and don't argue with them about what they think is right or wrong. Maybe we need to embroider that and put that on some walls somewhere. I think Nashville could benefit from, with a church on every corner, I think we could benefit from a verse like that. I do wonder sometimes, like, have churches really read Romans 14? Like, seriously. Think, what I, think about what he says. Accept other believers who are weak in the faith and don't argue with them about what they think is right or wrong. I actually know a true story of, of, of a church that split over having donuts in the church. I kid you not. I don't know if it was like Krispy Kreme or Dunkin' Donuts. But like this thing became such a thing. And Paul is speaking to this church that, I mean, they're having, they're having real conflict. And it says the, the, the path to harmony is to accept others and don't argue. I think what he's going to talk about in, in uh, chapters 14 and 15, he says, he says really there's two kinds of attitudes in your church. There are harmony haters and harmony hunters. 
Um, a harmony hater uh, is one of these things that it's incredibly difficult to see in the mirror. Uh, I think we have these attitudes, we have these parts of our life that, that sometimes are, are difficult to see. Like, like you're not going to get it on your own. Uh, uh, something you're unlikely to discover on your own. Or, or um, you're probably doing it and don't know you are doing it. And, and I think a, a harmony hater is someone who loves to argue. Um, we're not pointing fingers. But for some of us, arguing has become a contact sport. Um, I, I would confess to you that uh, I'm pretty good at it. Um, maybe some of you are so good at it, you think it's, it's your spiritual gift. Um, but I think if you are an arguer, that's one of those things that, that it's, it's really kind of hard to see on your own. And so uh, I want to I help you out. So uh, how do you know if you're an arguer or not? Um, maybe how you answer some of these questions may, may help, you, help you determine for yourself. Uh, are you an arguer or not? Uh, uh, maybe the question is, do people open up to you more than once? Or how many close relationships do you really have? Want to find out if you're an arguer or not? Maybe the question is, when was the last time that you said you were sorry or that you were wrong? Um, or, or maybe a question is, are you friends with anyone who doesn't agree with you? How good are you at letting it go? So uh, I'm a preacher, part of my job is to talk. And one of the things, I'm just self-confessing, one of the things, and, and my wife is in here too, so she'll tell you this is true. Um, one of the things that I have to be really aware of in, in my kind of arguing self is um, I've learned that as long as I'm talking, I'm winning. Have you seen that? Like there's this part of me that if I can just keep this thing going long enough, I'll just win by attrition eventually. Do you have any of that in you? How important is it to you to be right, right? Not just a little bit right, but right, right. Paul says, hey, if, if our goal is harmony, then we can't be an arguer. This is not the attitude of the church. This is not the attitude of, of, of Christ. This, this is actually going to make you a harmony hater. And he says, instead, instead of arguing, I want you to accept other believers who are weak in the faith. And don't argue with them about what's right or wrong. One of the things I've really come to learn is that uh, everyone is at kind of a different faith place. Uh, and because someone isn't at the place that I'm at in my faith walk or my faith journey doesn't make them wrong. It just makes them in a different place. And I think Paul is kind of aware of that. And he talks about those who are weak in faith and those who are strong in faith. And, and he, what he says is, hey, we're all in this journey together. And because someone's not in the same place that you're in, that doesn't make you right-er. 
But really, your role is to accept other believers. I love at Aspen Grove that we have, uh, we have people from all kinds of different streams and tribes of faith, uh, Catholic, Pentecostal, Christian church, Church of Christ, even those with no faith. Last week we talked about we're going to respect everyone regardless of what you believe. You will, you will find respect here. And Paul even says, hey, if you want to be a harmony hunter, then your goal, your attention, your focus is acceptance. He goes on in verse 7 of of chapter 15, kind of bookends this whole section about a church that's arguing with each other. He bookends it by saying, therefore, whenever the Bible says, therefore, it's highlight, bold, Put a star or smiley face next to it. Therefore, accept each other just as Christ has what? Accepted you so that God will be glorified. How do we bring glory to God? How do we shine spotlights on God? Acceptance. Harmony. Where people see harmony and its pursuit, where people see harmony is lifted up as the goal, they will see God's glory. Amen? In chapter 14, verse 10, he goes on to say, so why do you condemn another believer? Why do you look down on another believer? Remember, we all stand before the judgment seat of God. Uh, I think a harmony hater, someone that's going to bring harmony down, is someone who condemns others. Literally, it's to, to separate, to distinguish, to come to a choice or a decision about, to judge. And he uses courtroom language And in a courtroom, there's all different uh, uh, people. There's all different characters and roles. There's defendants and plaintiffs and lawyers and juries and witnesses and the judge. And in a a very real sense, he asked the, the Christians arguing in Rome, he says, which one are you? We get this mixed up too often because, um, Because maybe someone is not in the same place in their faith journey as you are. Somehow that gives you the right to judge or condemn. You become a harmony hater. In chapter 14, in the second half of verse 3 and uh, verse 4, it says, For God has what? Accepted them. So who are you to condemn someone else's servants? Their own master will judge whether they stand or fall. And like, like I love this next part. Um, he says, okay, so condemning the, the role of judge is in the courtroom, we're not the judge. In the courtroom, what is our role? Witness, right? Go and be my witnesses. That's what Jesus says, Right? And we're not witnessing the wrong that others have done, but we are witnessing the right of Jesus Christ to everyone. 
to share Christ with others. He says our role is, is not to be a judge. And, and that's what he says here. Who are you to condemn someone else's servants? Their own master will judge whether they stand or fall. What he says is judgment belongs to God. It is, this is his seat, not our seat. And when we judge and when we condemn others as a church, like we, we think about this, we, when we judge others, we really displace God. It is to say, hey, God, I can do a better job at this than you. And every time we do that, this goal of harmony crumbles. But look at what he goes on to say. He says, okay, so judgment is not ours. Judgment belongs to God. And then I think it's so important to see what he puts in this last part of verse 4. He says, and with the Lord's help, they will stand and receive his what? So it's not even saying, hey, judgment belongs to God. You're going to get what you deserve. This is judgment belongs to God. And, and man, I, I pray that you would receive the same approval that I have received. In chapter uh, 14, verse 13, at the very first part it says, Man, you, if you got a highlighter, you need, to, you need to pull that highlighter out. If Maybe every church in Nashville, if I could somehow get us to all highlight one verse at the same time. So let's stop condemning each other. Yes, please. In fact, I wrote that in my Bible next to that verse. What do you think? Paul seems to think this is a doable kind of thing. Can we come to a place, and, and I hate it that, that the church is in, in North America, primarily the church is known for two attitudes, that is anti-gay and that we're incredibly hypocritical or judgmental, right? And yet that's the exact opposite of the target Paul puts up before the church. To say, our, our job's not to judge, so let's stop condemning each other. Harmony haters condemn, but harmony hunters build up. Look what it says in the, the next part of this verse. In chapter 14, verses 13, 13b, it says, um, decide instead to live in such a way that you will not cause another believer to stumble and fall. In verse 19, he goes on, and it's this verse we begin with. It says, so then, let us aim for harmony in the church and try to build each other up. In verse 20, he says, don't tear apart the work of God. Don't make others stumble. Instead, in chapter 15, verse 1, he says, we who are strong must be, what's that word? Consider it. If harmony is your goal, being considerate of others is the path. We who are strong must be considerate of those who are sensitive about things like this. We must be sensitive to others. We must not just please ourselves. We should help others and do what is right and build them up in the Lord. Harmony haters um, Include all of the isms, right? Sexism, classism, raceism. These isms are harmony haters. 
they distress and they tear apart. They make others stumble. Uh, it would be what would happen uh, if, if harmony is an engine working in, in perfect rhythm, in perfect timing, in perfect, perfect sync. It would be what would happen to try to run that engine without any oil in it. And he says, beware of people that want to take the, the oil out of your harmony, right? Like, to cause it to be distressed and torn apart. Instead, he said, harmony hunters help others. They don't just please themselves, but are considerate of those who are sensitive. I love uh, the story that came out of Aspen Grove just a few weeks ago. Uh, and, and I don't want to reveal any names. I don't want to embarrass anybody. But... Uh, uh, one of our moms came into a church and she'd just been having a rough time because sometimes being a mom is rough, right? No amen for that at all? Wow, can't believe it. Amen. Yeah, exactly. She'd been having a rough time and uh, uh, one of our members just kind of noticed, just kind of, just, just I, don't, I, don't know, I don't know how it happened, just, just kind of noticed that, hey, maybe this person was, was having a, a rough time and they actually took up kind of a, a, an impromptu, nobody knew about it, it just kind of happened on the scene, but, but two or three just kind of got together and they, they pulled a collection of, uh, it was an impromptu offering, and they gathered some money and they gave it to the mom so she could go and get a massage. Harmony hunters, right? Considerate, sensitive, being, being aware of those who are around you. I love this idea about harmony that you, you can just kind of feel it. Like you kind of get it. Like, like um, they say that people make a decision about a church in the first 15 minutes. You know that? So when a guest walks through the door before they ever hear a song or an amazing teaching, they've already, they've already decided. And I think it's because, why are you laughing? I, I think it's because they can, they, they just, they, they have this sense. They, they have this feel. Does that make sense? Like, and maybe that was your experience too of, of what happened from the parking lot to the front door. Like, like they have this sense and I think you can sense that. Like I think, I think harmony is something that, harmony in a church especially is something that people get. They, they can feel it. They can sense it. Uh, maybe you've been in this situation. Uh, have you ever been in a situation where like you and your spouse, like you're in the car on the way to a party and you're just having at it. Like you're just having a huge argument in the car on the way to an event or a party or a funeral or something like that. Like, and you have to like leave the argument in the car and go and try to put your happy face on. Have you ever, I know, is this the only time this ever happened? Okay, so, so you're in the middle of this huge fight thing, but you've got to go inside, and you've got to be civil, and you've got to, you know, you're putting on this face, and you walk into the party, and you're both like this, and everyone knows, right? Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, everyone knows that you've been fighting. But you're trying to put on this face, and that's what he says. Like, man, like, harmony is this target, this goal for the church. And, and people will know it when they see it. They will know it when they see you, when, when they interact with you. In verse 17, he says, kingdom of God is not a matter of what we eat or drink, but of living a life of goodness. And he uses the word peace, but it's that same word, harmony. 
He says, this thing that we're a part of, it's not just a matter of, of eating or drinking or, or following one stream of tradition or following another stream of tradition. He says, this thing is about living a life of goodness and harmony and joy with others in the Holy Spirit. And he says, if we serve Christ with this attitude, so this is an attitude that we can take, that we can choose, you will please God and others will approve of you too. When we choose a life of goodness and joy, we choose harmony. God will know and so will others. How important is harmony to you? Like in your, um, in your workplace, are you the one fighting for harmony with your coworkers? What about with your neighbors? Is harmony your goal, your aim? What about in your family, with your spouse and with your kids? Of all of the things you have planned and on your to-do list and are budgeting for, where does harmony rank? When you came to Aspen Grove this morning, what was your highest goal? Was it to exemplify and share and chase and hunt the peace God made with the world through his son, Jesus Christ? Are you a harmony hunter or are you a harmony hater? This morning I, I suggest that harmony isn't just a lofty idea, but it's something that you can realize today through the power of the Holy Spirit. God in his word promises a special kind of peace that, that comes, a special kind of harmony that is available to each and every one of us, regardless of what is happening around us. Do you, do you believe that? Despite the power of the storm, there is a peace that passes there is a harmony that passes understanding that even in the most difficult moments of your life you can know the peace of God and live in harmony with him this morning I pray that you would know that and receive that and find that in Jesus Christ and as a church I pray that our <laughs> goal, that our aim would be harmony, the same kind of harmony that God made with the world when he sent his son Jesus to die. In just a minute, we're going to enter into a time of communion, and uh, it's a part of our tradition. It's a part of our stream. It's a, a part of who we are. We, we love this space. And around the room, we've got the elements of communion set on different tables. And I'll say a prayer and dismiss you. I invite you to take communion together. 
Uh, maybe uh, your family, maybe you've been in a relationship that's been everything but harmonious this week. Communion is a great place to make amends, right? Maybe your walk with God this past week has been everything but harmonious. Now is a great time to come and be reconciled to him and to each other through the death and the burial and the resurrection of Jesus Christ, through the blood and body that was spilled and broken for you. None of us are outside of God's reach. I invite you in just a minute to, uh, to take in this time of communion together, to share and together, maybe pray for each other. It's a time to be sensitive and considerate, a time for us to accept each other, a time to forgive. Let's pray together. Father God, I love you so much and thank you for your word. Uh, I'm blown away about the, the relevance of your word, even the way you use Paul literally hundreds and hundreds of years ago. Uh, Father God, our nature hasn't changed all that much, and so here we are. If, if we've been caught arguing this week or condemning or judging, then Father God, I pray that, that your spirit would convict us in the, in the deep places of our heart. If, if there is some, some brokenness that needs to happen in us so that, that we can be harmony hunters again, then, Father God, I pray that work would be done. I pray that that, that word harmony, that the, the peace that is made, that you made with this world through your son, Jesus Christ, would again become our loftiest goal that we would embody it and live it out in sensitivity with others, in, in, in the ways we pour into other people's lives and the way we build each other up. Father God, when people think about this church and think about people of Aspen Grove and, and our role in this community, let them know and feel harmony how we can and where we can, Father God. Let us be harmony hunters. It's only possible through your son, Jesus Christ. We recognize him now and thank you for his sacrifice. We love you, Father, and in your son, Jesus' name, everyone together says,